Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! Crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there? Hopefully your campaigns are doing well and raising a ton of money and it's nothing but nothing but wins and nothing but successes. That's what I'm hoping for out there. So I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, and what do we do here on Successfully Funded? Well, we try to talk to project creators while they are in the middle of an active campaign so that we are getting the most up-to-date information and delivering it to you. We want to know what these projects have been doing uh, before they launched, while they're launching, and what their plans are after the launch. And, and we try to have just a really nice open conversation and dialogue around not so much the techniques and tactics, but just the overall energy and vibe that needs to happen when you're when you're running a crowdfunding campaign. So yeah. So episode 146 is what you're, you're listening to right now. Today, we've got an awesome conversation. This was I mean, just truly a, a very riveting conversation. We're going to be talking to John Boy Myers, and he has a Kickstarter out there right now for his sketchbook volume two, and he you know, only had about a $5,000 uh, goal, but he crushed it. He's currently sitting just under 37000 and... I know the numbers aren't through the roof, but you know John Boy had a uh, awesome, awesome sketchbook. He's run another campaign in the past, and you know we had a, just a great conversation around what it takes to be a successful project creator. So that conversation is coming up here in just a little bit. But t- before then, let's let's chat a little bit here about what's going on. Number one is I've been sick since Monday, so if you hear this, like hear that, that's the wiping. Man, I'm just a faucet. I am an absolute faucet of snot and nastiness and tiredness. That is how I feel right now. We are under the weather. And what's great about that is tomorrow I got to travel. I'm going to go to San Antonio tomorrow. I'm going to be a part of something called Dad 2.0. It's a summit. It's Like I said, it's down in San Antonio. So I'll be flying out tomorrow morning at like, I think my, my plane leaves at like 8 or something, 7.38, something like that. So, you know, I'm going to bring this sickness with me to San Antonio. How's that? You know, flying all day. Well, I guess only like three hours or something like that. But And then I'll be down there, and I'm running a little roundtable session around crowdfunding. So if any of you out there are fathers or dads or, uh, you know, or, or just, I guess, just a man, really, um, check out the Dad 2.0 Summit. It, it's an intriguing thing. I'm, I'm really stoked and excited to be down there uh, just sharing my thoughts in, on digital marketing and crowdfunding and lead gen and all that sort of stuff. But but past that, I mean, it's a lot about this is, you know, I do a lot for the community. I try to be this sort of, you know, this new wave of, of, of you know, not you know, not having toxic masculinity, really being open about feelings and conversations and, and and just just being different, right? Just just being a new version of man. What does that look like? And and like I said, I'm, I think this is a, a, a really great summit. I, um, I'm personally friends with the guy who created it. Shout out to Doug French out there. He's a Ann Arbor guy. Um, but yeah, this is an exciting time. I'm excited to be down there. I'll be there until uh, Sunday morning, and then when I fly back, I've got another super super early flight that I gotta that I gotta get. But um, yeah, that's that's where I'm gonna be, and and I've got my uh, my presentation kind of ready to go, and I'm excited to. To, to sit around and, and chat a little bit and listen to some great speakers. I think Dax Shepard's going to be there. So if you're not familiar with it, I definitely recommend going and checking out. Like I said, it's called Dad 2.0. All you got to do is Google that and you know the links will pop up. Um, but yeah, check that out. And if any of you are listeners and are going to be down there, obviously let's connect. Or if you're in San Antonio and you're my listener, let's connect. I mean, heck, I'm not in San Antonio very often, so we might as well connect while I'm down there. So so I got that going on, which is, which is awesome. So hopefully, you know, tonight will be day... This will be my, what tomorrow will be day four of this sickness. Hopefully, I can shed it, get it out of my system here. I'm almost there, but I just, man, I just got the snots, and I couldn't get to yoga today because, well, I could get to yoga on Monday either. Monday was real bad, but today I'm just a faucet. Like I said, I just cannot, I can't stop blowing my nose, and I did not want to be uh, in a hundred, hundred and three degree temperature uh, yoga place and just uh, snotting up a storm. I just. Uh, hear all those s's snotting up a storm so yeah but that's what's going on here so pretty exciting stuff but um 
All right, that's what I got going on. So I'm going to be reporting how the road went. I'm going to probably do an episode while I'm out on the road there uh, and kind of get do it maybe a check-in from there and 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 talk about what I'm what I'm doing. So or I might do some interviews while I'm down there. I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to kind of wing it a little bit, but we're going to see what happens down there. So, with that said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and kick into my conversation here, but before we do that, you know, got a little bit of uh, housework, housekeeping here. Uh, if you are a fan of the podcast, make sure you leave a review on iTunes. That would be very, very helpful. Go to iTunes, search Successfully Funded, download, subscribe, leave some reviews. That would be great for us. Um, or you can go to our website, woodshed.agency, which is the agency that I run that specializes in crowdfunding and digital marketing. You can go there, read our blogs and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's what's going on around here. Sorry, I just had a notification. Did you see that? That's one of those like notifications of like, huh? I got I got pulled to pulled to the left, but um, but yeah. So go do that for me. That would be very very much appreciated. So all right, let's go ahead and kick my conversation with John Boy. Um, go and Google his name, and you will find a ton of stuff. Go uh, connect with him. Go to his Kickstarter right now. Check out his new sketchbook. Unbelievable artist. Unbelievable graphics. Um, and just a true true uh, great artist out there. Great creator. Um, so yeah, let's kick into my conversation with John Boy, and I will talk to you all in San Antonio. John Boy, well, I have hit the red light, so you can see it blinking at you. You're probably really nervous now, right? No, no. no okay, all right. You're no. you're a pro at this. <laughs> Very informal conversation. Okay, cool. Stuff, so. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so why don't we start off with a quick sound check? Uh, why don't you tell my listeners uh, what you had for breakfast this morning? Uh, actually, I am on intermittent fasting, so I don't do breakfast. I wow. usually eat around twelve thirty to one o'clock, um, but I did have a nice big cup of coffee. So okay. Fun. So, so fu- fun fact for you, my podcast from like my two ago, two of them mm-hmm. ago, exact same answer. I'm in the middle yeah. of this, the fasting thing. I just, I had a cup of coffee. So apparently yep. that's a hot trend right now. Well, you know, cause I sit on my butt most of the day. So, uh, I try to be conscious of my caloric intake. So, uh, sure. I got really kind of not crazy overweight, but for me overweight, uh, like just last year, just sitting and drying all day and then eating, you know, it's like, okay, I gotta. I got to kind of watch this because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not getting any younger and I got to right. take care of myself. So yeah. it's the old, it's the computer lifestyle that we're all just sitting in front of something. Just, I know, right. Bent over a little bit, you know, so yeah, nobody looks up anymore, which is kind of weird. I remember I know. I had the clouds as a kid. Now you're looking at clouds on your phone. You're like, <laughs> oh, I'm missing out. So exactly, exactly. Well, cool. I think we're sounding good here. Let's, let's jump right into it. So, um, well, why don't you first tell my listeners who you are and what you're raising money for over on Kickstarter? Yeah, right on. My name is John Boy Myers. I'm a concept and comic book artist, and I've been doing comic books primarily now for professionally a little over 20 years, maybe 25 if you count on my freelance free stuff that I did, like my indie stuff. But uh, right now I'm raising uh, funds on a Kickstarter to publish a sketchbook, and those any funds remaining from the sketchbook, I'm actually going to roll right into launching a creator-owned project. So... I did something I've been working on off and on for the past 10 years. So that's cool. So, so I'm in amateur land over here. So you got to talk to me like, uh, you know, you know, know, uh, that doesn't know much. So kind of walk maybe me and the listeners through the difference. Like what is a sketchbook? What, what does that actually mean? So a sketchbook is actually, um, kind of like previs stuff, pre-visualization stuff. So like, let's say take the Marvel movies, everything that goes into the ideas of drawing and sketching what Captain America's costume is going to look like for the film, um, what the environment's going to look like, what the, the backup characters going to look like, stuff like that. So, like, I've worked on things like Spawn with Todd McFarlane, uh, Teen Titans Rebirth just recently for DC, and, of course, Inhumans relaunch for Marvel. So all that, like, you know, 3D stuff for ships and buildings and character designs for, like, Robin and Starfire and Beast Boy and Medusa and all that stuff I put into my book. So oh, that's cool. it's kind of the ideation process. So it's kind of like... A lot of the concept stuff that leads up to a final product for hmm. people. Um, so a lot of artists like myself, we always like kind of process stuff, like things that kind of didn't make the cut or like the ideation phase of like how artists think or how artists work. Um, that's usually the primary purpose of a sketchbook. It's kind of like, hey, this is this is how we got from point A, point B, point C. So that's cool. 
And yeah. how many like pages is this? I mean, that, this, oh gosh, yeah. Sorry, this is going to be a hundred page, a hundred page sketchbook. Um, it's going to be hardcover uh, with a uh, slipcase and everything. So mm-hmm. the whole thing. So um, when we first launched it, I was just hoping like, okay, five thousand bucks is what I need to print a soft cover. I did some stretch goals. Like if we hit these stretch goals, like for about nine thousand bucks, I can really produce a really nice, beautiful sketchbook for everybody, which is what I wanted to do. And I think within the first 19 minutes, we had crushed our stretch goal. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it was really cool, man. It's like, uh, okay, I guess I needed more stretch goals because I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to do next. Uh, and like, even my tears, like, I think that's something when you're running a Kickstarter, um, it's kind of a nice thing to have happen. But if you run out of stretch goals and run out, hit all your tears, you're like, have an idea of what to do next. Cause I kind of right. lowballed everything. Cause I just thought, well, you know, if I just get enough for printing, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, make maybe another five grand to float into my creator own book. Great. And now it's like around 33,000 right now. So yeah. I'm just like, okay, well, this is cool. But okay. Like people are like, Hey, you know, open up more tiers, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what, <laughs> what are they? I got to come up with that now. You know, yeah. cause I mean, we've seen, we've seen that, we've actually seen that sort of bite some people in the butt. They just don't do enough time and research and, and they're, you know, they're all of a sudden they're like promising a whole merch store just to come up with some ideas or something, right? Like, oh yeah, we'll make like, uh, you know, 45 new t-shirts and it's like, whoa, 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 this is getting... Yeah, it's like, because you don't want to overcommit yourself because that's the thing is like, you want to meet demand and make everyone happy. I think the thing about it is like, hey, look, you know, the primary goal is to fund this to get a really tricked out sketchbook for everybody. The secondary goal was to fund my creator own. So I need to do stretch goals and tiers that are going to be, that are going to fall within my parameters of my budget. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. They're like, okay, well now we're going to add this and add that. And I'm going to add this figure and all this stuff. And you're like, wait a minute. That's yeah. like going out the door too. It's like, Hey, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Right. Um, so I'm doing things like refrigerator magnets, uh, vinyl stickers, um, I have a, a, a past sketchbook that I did a couple of years ago. I'm going to put it in PDF format. If we hit 45,000, I'm going to give that out free to everybody. Cool. Um, and then I think if I hit 50,000, I want to do like a, a financial donation back to something called the Hero Initiative, which actually takes care of um, comic book artists as they age out. You know, like people have medical problems or hardships. Sure. You know, kind of a nice uh, that's great. Yeah. yeah, that'd be, that's awesome. That's, that's really yeah. great. So talk, talk to me a little about what are you moving the, the funds into? A create your own is what you're, you're calling? Yeah, yeah. It's called a create your own thing. So <clears throat> most of my career, like 20 plus years, I've been doing like working on other people's IPs. IPs are intellectual properties. Like mm-hmm. Batman is an IP. Avengers is an IP. So everything, all these uh, character design and ideas and concept stuff that they own that. So that's included as part of my page rate. So if the movies say, Oh, great, we're going to take John Boy's design and make this into a movie. That's great. But guess what? We don't get anything out of that. We're like, Hey, good job. Right. Um, so I've been doing that long enough to where I'm like, you know what? I really would like to do something just for myself, for my own thing that I own that no one can take away. So um, that, that's called the creator own project, which you can self publish or you can Kickstarter yourself or you can go through a publisher. And this is something I want to self-finance. So there's publishers out there, if people are familiar with publishing and comic books, there's a company called Image Comics that just distributes books. And that's hope where I'm hoping my book will end up. And it's called Princess Dragon Killer. So it's, cool. uh, it's, it's something that I've been working on for a long time. And it's kind of like my, my baby. I'm like, you know what? I want to put this out into the world. And then this is just me, something that I own. I can call my own. So. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Is there is there sort of a theme around the sketchbook at all? I mean, is there are you pulling from certain ideas or mindset? Like what, what what's in it? No, it's it's just mostly concept ideation stuff, cover roughs, scrapped cover ideas, and things like that. Because I also do covers and interiors for like DC Comics, Marvel Comics, Valiant Comics, mm-hmm. Boom Studios, Dynamite. It's all these like ideas because like usually when you're working on a brand or a product, you always have to submit thumbnails of like, hey. You know, uh, if you're doing a cover for that month, you'll usually send three or four cover ideas to the publisher. And usually the co- publisher usually picks the worst out of the three or four. <laughs> so you want to make sure you always submit a, a, something that you actually like to draw. But uh, <clears throat> all that stuff that's on the cutting room floor, no one really gets to see. So that's the stuff that you always want to put into a book. It's kind of like, hey, this is what could have been. People are like, why didn't they go with that idea? It was so great. You know, um, it, it's stuff like that. It's kind of like a it's always like a behind the scenes thing. Yeah. It's always about the ideation and creative process that goes into it. And it's kind of interesting to see like past sketchbooks that I've seen from my friends. It's like, why didn't they do that idea? That would have been so much cooler or like, Hey, you know, it just, but this is what happens when you work on corporate brands, you know, cause it's, it's pretty much, does this fit within the, 
ID for that brand or what editorial has a mind for it. You sure. Know, so those kinds of lenses. So, so it was kind of nice to share what could have been because it's just right. free stuff that no one else is ever, ever going to see unless you share it with the world. Right. So. No, that's cool. It's, it's, it's interesting that there's sort of, uh, I think you're going to be my second or third sketchbook interview that there is this sort of, this sort of world around it, you know, that you're describing right now that, that most people probably don't know. It's almost maybe even similar to like when the DVDs first come out and you get the uh, Easter eggs and the, or the, or the extra cuts. I mean, I still think about, um, uh, for people that know me, I think Boogie Nights is an amazing movie, right? Oh, and, great movie. But, but the, the DVD that had all this extra footage might even be more funny. There's so many more funny scenes in that than, you know. Yeah, you kind of always wonder, like, the Zack Snyder cut of BBS, Batman vs. Superman, is so much better than the regular movie. And you're like, why didn't yeah, they just do that? That would have been a better movie. Um, it, it's, it's always these decisions that get made by, like, either editorial or the studios that say, we cut this down or trim this. So it's kind of nice to have a... Like sketchbooks are very much a director's cut uh, of what could have been or why these things didn't make it into the book or or whatever, for whatever reason. It's always kind of like, man, it would have been a lot cooler. But again, it goes back to like, you know, these things have to fall within a certain brand, a certain parameter. And that's great for guys like me because then we can always put it into a book and share it with everybody. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So like, where'd you uh, you grow up and stuff? Uh, I'm a military brat. So we kind of moved around quite a bit. My parents, my dad was military. Um, settled in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And okay. uh, I'm, I'm in Northern California now, but California is where I always wanted to be because that's kind of the creative mecca sure. for like games and comics and entertainment. So this is kind of where I need to be in order to kind of like live the life that I live. So, sure, of course. Um, and, like, and, and so, I mean, um, was like sketching and drawing kind of just always around you like like how did you get started getting into it and stuff yeah actually my dad was a military policeman and he would always um so um, when 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 soldiers get drunk on base they don't they arrest them they put them in a drunk tank let them dry out and then they report them to the co for any subordination they Mm -hmm. got drunk they did this but my dad they would always go to the local shop and buy comic books like at the local bx which is like a 7-eleven on base and they would buy comic books for the gi so while they're kind of sobering up, they can read comic books and pass the time. So my dad would always bring these home. So he brought home all these war comics and it was just like, and he would just let us read them and everything like that. And I was just like, oh my God, this is, this is so cool. And one day my dad brought home a Captain America comic and it just totally blew my mind. I've never seen anything like it. So I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. And then my dad would bring home like, you know, markers from work and everything that he would borrow <laughs> right. from work and bring home for me to draw. So I started drawing and doing my own comic books and things like that. So that kind of got me started on my path of drawing, uh, which, which was always nice. My, my, my dad was really instrumental in me becoming an artist, which is kind of weird because as I got older, he never thought art would be a real career. And my mom and dad were like, you're going to starve. This is, this is a bad decision. You're, you're so dumb. And I'm just like, oh. But now that they understand, I think, I think geekdom and pop culture has kind of invaded like regular culture a little bit now. It's more prevalent. But I think the parents kind of have a better understanding of, oh, this is entertainment. This is something that's really accepted. You can make a living at doing this. Oh, okay, I get it now. Because... Yeah. Growing up in Colorado is kind of like you're in the middle of the U.S. There's really nothing going on. You have no idea what's going on. Whereas opposed to California and New York, these things are a little bit more accepted. People are like, oh, okay, this is actually a thing. It's an actual job. I'm I'm outside of Detroit here and uh, I own recording studios and wrote hundreds of songs and toured and my parents just never got it. And eventually once I had a family, I, you know, you start pivoting and you go, right, right. right." Right. But, but they're just like they were more life choices than like, this wasn't a job. This it was a real thing. Like I made yeah. art. Created, yeah. I, you know? Yeah. I think, I think we're all built a certain way. And I think the important thing is when you're going through life, you know, you should always do things that make you happy. That gives you a lot more job satisfaction and something that you can always do, even though it's work, everything becomes work at some point, mm-hmm. but things that you really enjoy, you know, connect, try to connect a career with a passion because then you feel a lot more fulfilled. You're generally a lot more happier than going to a regular job and punching yeah. a clock and just working for somebody just in my mind it's hard for me to like if people do that i'm not to judge but i'm just saying for me i i have a hard time understanding like why would you do something you don't like i know yeah i get it man i'm doing a podcast with you on a uh what is it yeah. wednesday? Is it wednesday yeah because i want to learn and explore right. connect who knows what it is this is right. we have the technology it's you know it's it's all it is so yeah it, it's exciting <laughs> um so like as you're kind of growing up though, what starts to be some of the skill sets that you're seeing in yourself that you're like, I actually do have a talent for this. I'm not, 
I'm not just sketching doodles. Uh, I'm actually, there's something, there's some real talent here and, and I want to push forward in it. What, what were you saying? You know, I, I think it's when you start sharing your work with others. Cause I, I think there's one thing about working in a bubble and you're only going to get so good at some point, but I think you reach a certain point where you really want to start growing as an artist and having new influences, looking at like not just comic books, but actually modern art, um, film and TV music getting inspired by all these different things like the culture around you and seeing what you can incorporate and take away from that and work that into your art. Because at some point, you know, we all, we all base our art off of somebody that we've liked at some point that made an impression on us. But after time, we kind of take a little piece of everything from everybody and kind of put this into a really great pot and we're kind of cooking something new, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that's what gets birthed because we always stand on the shoulders of others who've come before us. That's why, I think when you look at comic books now, they're, they're a lot more detail-oriented, more technical, more realistic in some cases. It's just because what's come before us, we've learned and we've learned and we learn, and, and we get inspired by that and we share with our art community, get feedback. I think feedback is probably one of the most important tools that you can get in any career in order to become better because there, there is this thing as drinking your own Kool-Aid and having too much of it. Yep. I think it's better to be humble and and talk to people, even, even on the internet, of course, you know, the internet is always going to have a million different, different opinions and not all of those are the nicest. But the thing is, there's always a a shred of truth in what everyone says. So you may get feedback and be highly negative, but in there, there might be a nugget or tidbit that says, you know what, John boy, I don't like the way he draws women's faces. And you, you see that throughout the thread that people say the same thing. You're like, you know what? I can throw away this other stuff, but this is what I need to take away from that. Yeah. And that's what you need to hold on to. And that's what you need to work on in order to become a better artist. You know, it, it's all these things. It's just same with music too. Like you're like, Hey, you know, you know what? Stop doing this. Maybe try this or stop listening to this guy. Cause you know, you're sounding too much like this person, like right. try this instead. And I, I think even though, even though some of that feedback again, may be negative, try to filter that out. It's like panning for gold. You're like, you know, there's a nugget in here that's going to be worth it. And the thing is you can't be so precious about your work and your opinions that, you know, everyone, if you ask for feedback, people are going to just blurt it out there. And right. the thing about it is try not to take it so personally. This is detach yourself from it. This is just, this is just a tool for me in order to get better and look at it like that. Yeah. And I think everything you're, you're, you're talking about is, is a, a, quite an invaluable skill set to have because there's a ton of project creators or people that I've even worked with who can't accept what you're talking about because you know they have the I made it everybody's going to want this thing and I think there's there's you know and, and it's and it's funny because for me coming from the music world and I'm everything you're saying I agree with right like you're only hearing you know the final version of a song after I have hours and hours and years of it, right? Where I was tweaking or, or I, I'm still probably not even that happy with it, but I was like, all right, I got to let it go. And for some people, if they're in like a prototyping phase or they're, they, you know, they made this one thing, like they got their one prototype of it. It's the greatest thing ever. And it's just like, uh, so I think it's, I think that skill set you're talking about is very challenging for a lot of entrepreneurs to have. And, and, and I think it's just, it comes almost, it comes a little bit natural for artists. And I always try to kind of inject that into some of my corporate people who decided to do crowdfunding or to start to be their own company. They just can't, they just can't think that loose about it to some degree. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's a, del- it's a delicate, like, it's like juggling balls a little bit. You have to understand like what is important to you in your product, but then what's important to your customers or the consumer who's going to be using it or interfacing with it or engaging with it, because you have to give your audience, um, you have to get feedback from them, especially if you're creating something, because like if I'm drawing something that people aren't resonating with, like, Hey, look, you know, I need to change that. You know what I mean? It's just Mm -hmm. because look at the end of the day, this is, this is making a living. You, You have to make some compromises in the things that you're building because like, for me, when I was putting this book together, I reached out to a lot of my, my fans and people I knew, especially at shows, and they were saying, hey, you know, well, why don't you do a sketchbook? I haven't done a sketchbook in like almost six years. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what would you like to see in it? And trying, trying to pull from everyone, like, hey, what, what does everyone want to see? What can I give them that I have not given them already? You know, uh, and trying to meet that expectation because it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Star Wars, right? <laughs> like when we had the prequel movies back in the, back in the, 90s and 2000 up until the movies that we have now because there's been so much time that's lagged as core fans like the older ants like you mm-hmm. myself and yourself yeah, yeah. we had an idea of what these characters should be doing and what they are <laughs> and we've had so much time in between that we have a certain expectation built up and the people who went on and made those newer films didn't care about our expectations right. or our ideas 
which is a little bit disservice to fans Mm because you could take it a consensus and said, you know, we have to give them something that they feel like, oh yes, I got it right. Or because it's that investment, people are invested in your brand. So if you come up with a brand that's so alien to what people expect or wanted, if people are going to be like, this doesn't feel right. I don't like this. This is, they didn't listen to me. This is not my thing. It's like the Star Wars now. I look at it, it's like, it's not my Star Wars now. It's not my (laughs) Star Wars But I understand that those movies now are not made for my generation. They're made for the next generation, which I I totally get. But at the same time, they could have given us maybe one or 2%. (laughs) Just just a little bit, you know? Because I was hoping for that Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie reunion, and that never happened. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to happen, right? No, no it's not going to happen now. Not going to happen. No. Uh, that's cool. So, I mean, so when you start getting this idea that, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to put the, a, a sketchbook together or you've gotten enough feedback. What is your first, like what for you is your first steps out of the gate? What do you start to assemble? Where, where does your mind go to, to get I to think, right now? I think for me it's about printing. Like for me, I'm always about quality. I want to make sure that when people get a product in their hands, um, cause the sketchbook is $30 and it's a hardcover with a slip case and you know, it's, it's a nice looking book, but I want to make sure when they get something that one, the materials they have are quality, um, that they feel like they're getting their money's worth for mm-hmm. sure that they're getting something that's high value to them. So, uh, I did a lot of research as far as uh, printing and the types of things I could do with printing. What can I do with it? I really researched past sketchbooks that I've gotten that I wish were better. And then I would re- reach out to international printers and talk to them about, that was probably about a three month process about talking to people, getting print quotes, crunching numbers, the figuring things out like, well, if I did this or I did that, or if I graded the paper, Hey, you know, if I did UV spot on this around in the corners, like how much is that going to cost me? And then, and try to work all those things into like, okay, this is, this is what I need to raise because you have to come up with a realistic number. Like this is what I need to raise or crowdfund or kickstart in order to make this project happen. And the thing about it was um, I always did what's called the rule of thirds. So um, I think it's always important to ask for one third of what it's going to cost because I know that if I order, if I printed up a thousand sketchbooks, I know realistically one third of that, I'm probably actually going to sell 300. But in order to get a good price break on it to offer to everybody, I need to offer it at this price. I need to order this many. Um, this is what it needs to be because then I'll have a backstock that I can sell at shows or do whatever. Right. You know, but these are these things you have to, to keep in mind because if you ask exactly what you need for printing, I, you know what? It's like ask for probably what, what you need is probably like maybe a quarter or maybe, maybe a third or a half I think is a lot smarter because you know you're not going to sell that entire stock out. Mm-hmm. You, you need stuff for your store and things like that. You'll still make money with the Kickstarter, but the, the thing about it is you want to create traction and you want to create a, a buzz and a sense of excitement that you're hitting your goals, that things are realistic. Because I think when you tell people, hey, I need to just raise $5,000 versus I need $15,000, that's like, dude, that, that you can't expect people to always shoulder that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, because oh, yeah. I'm, I'm making a book too. So you have to be realistic. Like, Hey, you know, most sketchbooks, like, you know, I think 5,000 is realistic. You know, printing is going to cost me maybe, maybe, maybe 11,000. So I'm asking for half of that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the rest of it, I know I can sell later on. That's you got to play the long game with the things yeah. that you're building too. It's not like, okay, I'm going to sell out of everything. You want to have a backstop for yourself. So. Well, I think you just, you just hit on it right there. It's, it's, that's been sort of our newest theme around here as an agency is, is, is thinking about the long tail on the entire process. You know, obviously if you just put everything and how much you're spending strictly into one Kickstarter, I know you need a hundred thousand dollars minimum like that. And I know you need to hire marketing departments and right. I get all that. Yeah. Obviously I want you to scale three years from now this is just the kickstarter right, right? or right. You know, or so so people are like why am i going to run this many facebook ads not everybody's going to buy it. it's like yeah but they don't go away you know so maybe they don't buy the kickstarter but they buy it on your store later or they right. they, right. they engage with you forever you know it doesn't yeah. just stop you know yeah so. yeah yeah like beyond the product like the idea is implanting a seed in someone's mind and the thing is you want to create those opportunities for engagement so it's it's facebook ads or twitter ads or whatever you decide to do to to market and push out your book or, or push out your product, you know, you want to keep in mind like, hey, look, just because people aren't going to buy now, you know what, they're going to remember, hey, John Boy Myers did this. Oh, he's doing another project. Like, oh, you know what, maybe I will buy this time. I really like what he did, even though I didn't back at that time, I'm going to back at this time. You want to create these opportunities for engagement because you're creating 
familiarity with people. Yep. You know what I mean? Like uh, the fact is that you put out one Kickstarter, if you do another one, people are like, oh, well, you know, this guy's a real deal. He's not going to just take my money and run. Yep. You know, um, yeah, all, all that's important. It's, it's about just yeah. constantly, and it's hard, but you got to be on the, on people's minds. I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm just like, you just got to be there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like right now I'm kind of in that mid lull, like we're on like day 15 now, yep. of like a 31 day, you know, Kickstarter. So I'm like, it, it's kind of evened out a little bit and I know things are going to ramp up towards the end. So I'm trying to create opportunities for engagement. So what I'm doing is I'm doing free sketch giveaways for my backers and new backers. So mm-hmm. I've done two weeks worth of free sketch giveaways to try to create engagement. So that's helped bump up a little bit. But the thing about it is, is you want to create those opportunities where if people missed out on one product that you're still offering an opportunity for people to still get a free sketch or things like that. You missed out. And it's a great way to, to engage with your fans a little bit because you're offering something to them that they can't ordinarily get. And, and people see the effort that you're putting in, or at least I hope so. Yeah. Yep. Into what you're doing, you know, it, it requires a time and investment on your behalf. But the thing about it is you can't look at it as, well, just cause I don't get the sales does not mean I'm not going to get the engagement because I also linked these back to like, I did one on uh, Instagram and I did one on Twitter. And the next one I'll do is on my Facebook page, but these things actually grew my social media channels too. So that is potential customers later on down the road. Yep. You know, and you're, you have to understand just because you're not selling a product doesn't mean you're not getting reach and you have to, you have to like, you have to be able to be okay with that. Like, Hey, look, this is, you have to, again, it's about the long game. Like mm-hmm. you're in it for the long run, you're creating a brand, you're shipping product. You know, you have to think about like, okay, not one year from now, not two years from now, not even a month from now, like maybe five years down the road, you know, yeah. like this is where I want to be. You have to lay that good foundation. Cause if you don't, like you're just putting out these small little projects that never get back because people don't know who you are. You right. Know, you, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're spot on with all that. I think that, that's all great information. So for you, I mean, it sounds like you're sort of a, a bit of a one-man show right now, right? You don't have a big team working on anything, right? No, it's it's just my wife and myself. So we're like, hey, we're just do-it-yourself yeah. DIY. Um, I've, I've been approached by a lot of people. You know how it is when you're running a Kickstarter, all these people mm-hmm. come out of the woodwork like, hey. Yeah. Which it, it, The only thing that I don't like is if you're going to ask to do fulfillment service with me, at the very least is you could back the Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, that's very minimum. You're not even serious about my product or care. You just want to make money off me. You don't want to invest. It's like the very minimum. It's like, look, at least back the Kickstarter. So right. for me, that tells me that it's like, okay, these guys are just in it for the financial gain. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I have not yet found a fulfillment service yet. But I, I think honestly, like I think it's something that I kind of want to do myself anyway, because I, I think when you put in the time to, to run a Kickstarter and then you go through the entire process, I think you need to experience that full process for yourself. So when you do it again, you can make better, smarter, more informed decisions. It's like, you know what? I need to do better boxes. I need to actually get a printing label machine or I need a better tape machine. I need, you need to go through all these. It's kind of like the pain of growing your business a little bit to understand this is how it is day one at its worst. So what can I do to make that process a lot better? So you kind of have to go through that pain a little bit to understand like, okay, wow, that took like an entire month of my life. <laughs> right. You know, dear God, please save me. But, but but it helps you make better informed decisions later. So you have to look at every opportunity as a way to grow and scale your business because you will problem solve during that process and say, you know what, I ordered way too many boxes. I ordered the wrong kind of tape. Mm-hmm. I should have shipped with them instead of this. Right. Um, there was a reason why I made my sketchbook 7.5 by 10. It's because I can ship it smaller, medium mail. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And the right. weight's still about a pound, anything like past, I think like two or three pounds, it's not medium mail anymore. So that affects the price. There's all these little micro decisions that you make when you're creating your product. Like, how is that going to ship? How is that going to hold up? Is international shipping going to kill me? Like, you know, it's all these things. And I think the thing that I'm struggling with right now is like, I got approached by a a thing called uh, backer club. And I don't, I'm kind of on the fence, like, should I try this or not? And like, what, what is your takeaway, Jeff? Like, what, what do you think? Is it worth it? Not worth it? Like- so I, I, we tend to stay away from that stuff. Um, okay. And our, our, our sort of rules around it and our mindset is, and again, not right or wrong. Right. By all means, of I'm course. sure that- I'm got, just asking, of course. Yeah, they've got a success story out there. We should, we should ask them because people want to know, like, is this yeah. something that's wrong? I mean, so our mindset on it is, you know, I'm probably a part of Backer Club. I've backed a gazillion campaigns. I'm sure they have my data somewhere and I bet I get a message. But I still go back to, I don't know who you are. You would just, it would be like driving by a billboard and 
next. So it goes back down to, I need three to, I don't know, 10 encounters with you. I need to see you on Twitter, Facebook. I need to hear you. I need whatever it is. I, that, then I make a decision. So just seeing something once or twice, you would just be like, it'd just be white noise in my, right. And that's how I approach, you know, and I use this analogy for a lot of, a lot of people where I'm like, you know, again, just think about the last time you were driving down the highway, you saw a billboard, for some, I don't know, a camera store and you instantly got off the, the, you went and found it and you spent $600 on a camera, you know, in the blink of an eye. I guarantee you've never done that. You might've bought some fast food, you know, or something, but like you've never made that decision. But that's ultimately, I think what you're asking people to do in that sort of like blind strategy um, of just like how many people, because you want people that like comic books, you know, want sketchbooks, have backed those things before and the data is not segmented to that degree. It's just right. a fine shotgun, you know, and I just don't think those work. So. Yeah, like I'm kind of debating. I've had friends who tried Backer Club and they said it just broke even for them. So what mm-hmm. they put into it is what they got back out. And they're like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'd do it again. So I think for me, it's like, well, you know, have I, with everything that I've been doing so far, have I saturated the market already for the people who collect comics and collect sketchbooks? Have I done that already? Have I created enough visibility for that? How do I get somebody else who's not too familiar with it to engage with it? And I think that's the thing that I'm kind of like beating my head against the wall against. It's like, well, how do I reach just like the regular everyday dude who might not necessarily be, you know, in my feed or anything like that? How how can I get them to engage with it and like participate in it or be excited about it? And I yeah. think that's something I'm still kind of like trying to figure out. See, right see and I think those questions that you're asking, I would advise and say that those aren't you can't answer those questions inside of a Kickstarter window. The Kickstarter is for true insiders, right? (laughs) It's for, it's for for guys in your newsfeed. What you're describing is how do you get to a guy like it's, it's really, it's me. I'm into crowdfunding. I love, I've got young kids, right? I've got a seven year old boy. I've got captain America stuff everywhere. Superman, like, right. And I would make that purchase after I read something on Medium about you. I read something on a blog. You ran a Facebook ad. And we're talking about this, is, this might be two years from now for you or a year from now for right, you. And right. it's just that general, you know, it's just, you just are always there. You know, I, I just, I see, oh, I, I'm, I'm listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast and all of a sudden you're on. And I'm like, man, I saw that guy. I, had a couple. <laughs> like, I remember that guy. I know that guy. Yeah. Two years yeah. ago, I saw that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think ultimately the questions you're asking aren't solved actually in a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, I got that's, the, yeah. that's that's and it's that's the long tail that I tell people. I'm like, man, you know, where you are in a comic book, uh, you know, you're doing really well in a comic book land, right? Like when right. you're right. going on the data of just where you are right now, mm-hmm. um, and probably too, this campaign. What you're at thirty? Where are you? I, um, thirty-three something. Thirty-three. Or? So you're probably tapping out at 45 ish, maybe 47 when it's all said and done. Fingers crossed. I, mean, I hope so. You know, I mean, you, cause you should have a big swell at the end. Um, and then obviously you're on my podcast and any, anybody on my podcast that equals at least 20 grand. So, Oh yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is a 20 grand interview. Um, but you know, I mean, so you look at it and you're like, man, that's awesome. And then what we typically do, and I would advise this as well is man, get a pre-order up ASAP after the campaign because you you don't know how many people just go I don't buy on Kickstarter I got burned once I just don't do it yeah then, I'm I'm wondering where should I put that should I do that like after Kickstarter just yeah. put it on the store page or something like so that? we typically do it like literally like the day after the Kickstarter I uh, we use a tool called Celery or whatever or you can use an ecom whatever I mean you, it's basically take and I just build a long form sales page that looks like my Kickstarter and and then I link my Kickstarter page to that store. So you're, you know, so you're getting some referral traffic. So if maybe somebody just missed it and they just like, oh man, I, I missed it. And I basically offer the same pricing, Kickstarter pricing. And I say, here's, oh. you know, here's, here's the reward. And, and I still run my traffic into that. And basically what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to keep orders coming. So basically when you go back to your numbers conversation, you know, yeah, ordering a thousand is much better than ordering 200, right? Right. Right. So if you can get, you know, 300, 400 orders here, you know, you're going to sell some at your stuff, but man, maybe you get another like 50 orders just up until the time that you ship, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think, I think that's a great thing. That's a good idea. That's some, that, that's food for thought. I'll have to talk to my yeah. wife. About that. Okay. So now we need to start thinking about doing this now. Yep. Cause I yep. was like, I was just going to put it on my web store, but I'm like, well, should I just, cause I think you can still like on some Kickstarters, once it's end, you can still order the product. So, um, 
Well, some people move it over to like Indiegogo in demand. Um, is what, yeah. so, but that's a, I, we refer to that here internally. Again, no offense to Indiegogo. I run campaigns on that platform, but it's kind of turned into like the graveyard of successful Kickstarters. It's just, there's no yeah. free traffic. You still got to spend money that you might as well move that people over to your, your brand, your website, your sto- whatever it is. I've been burned on Indiegogo too much. So I don't yeah, like, I'm, I'm still waiting for stuff that like hasn't shipped in like three years and I'm you'll just, never get it. Yeah. And that, and that's the problem with Indiegogo. It's why I, we very rarely advise clients to go over there. Yeah. So. You got to have accountability built, built in with it. It's like, Hey, look, man, like you need to do this for people. Like for me, it's just like, that's the worst thing is to leave. Cause this is your brand, your name and everything you're putting it out. Like I think you have a responsibility to make sure you, you ship what you say you're going to ship. Of course. Ship it, uh, within a reasonable time. And, and it's like, Hey, look, like this is, you going forward like it's kind of like why do this and shoot yourself in the foot like why right yeah i don't i don't get it i don't i don't get a lot of stuff that people do when it comes to this world and i think it's just you know everybody's trying to make the best decisions but at some point you just got to google some 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 of the best practices and just you know do some of these things but um yeah so that that's yeah that's it well i mean so like you've got how many days to go here we're talking i think you had what, 15 days to go? I think 15 days or yeah. 14 days, something like that. So yeah, when, when this goes out, you'll probably be in that last week or so. So like what happens, you know, after the money gets in the bank accounts, you know, what starts your process? How do you start to fulfill these rewards? Well, um, I've got it staggered already. So by the time, like probably around the last week when my Kickstarter is about to end, I'm going to have an exact number for print numbers. So I'm gonna actually going to start getting those books printed. Mm. Um, and my goal is to print probably about maybe maybe three times as much. That way I get a good price break on it. Um, and then as soon as those books come in, I'm going to start doing like people have tiers, sketches and things like that. Start autographing books, start doing as much free stuff as I can. Cause I've already bought my boxes already. I have a good idea of what I'm going to sell. Um, so I'm going to start prepacking a lot of that stuff. So when those things are ready to go, when some money clears, I can start printing that stuff out, putting those boxes together. Cause you, you want, Time is probably your most precious asset. And if you, if you squander that time, then that means it's more crunch time for you at the end. So I'm going to try to do as much pre-workout stuff as I can to get it all kind of primed and ready to go. So books are already all signed, things like that. Because like, uh, I should be getting books. The way I've planned, I should be getting books probably within the third week after the Kickstarter ends, which is pretty fast for printing. Yeah. Out of so... Uh, so when I get those things in, I can start just start autographing all of them, and then the ones that have sketches that pay for sketches, I'll start doing sketches in those. Mm-hmm. And then once the money clears, it's like, hey, cool, yay! Uh, I'll start shipping those out, which I guess is thirty days, right? I have friends who are like, come on, thirty days. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> That's <laughs> um, great. That's great. Yeah. Now, for you, has there been any sort of um, anything sort of really weird behind the scenes that has kind of shocked you a little bit? Like, oh man, we've got a big following in uh, New Zealand. I don't know, um, you know, anything weird like that? No, you know, I've been tracking. I did, I did a Google ID on it so I can track all the metrics on it. I think the thing that I find is weird is like people will back and then cancel right away, which is a little strange. I'm just like, what, what is that about? Because like you're always kind of wondering like, hey, look, why did you decide to cancel? Like, I, I think for me, I always want to know like, is you feel like shipping's too high or what, what's the deal on this? Like, because like I'll have people who will like, did a lot of stuff, but then later on, let it go. But then it gets snatched up right away. But you still want to understand like, hey, is this more of a product end thing or is this more of a personal end thing? Like you wanted it and then you said, oh, I'll just wait later or whatever. I think because not knowing, because you always want to understand what's in the mind of your customers. <clears throat> and if this is a trend, like, oh, if they're doing this and then, then dropping it off again, you're kind of like, oh, we're up, now we're down. Like, well, what the hell happened? It's like, Stop oh, emotions, I, I can give you some head, uh, insight in that. That's a, that's a Kickstarter, Kickstarter scam that I think is uh, Kickstarter is working to weed out. So there's, there's, there's a few agencies out there that will literally, they've created like 10 to 20 fake Kickstarter accounts and then they'll come in and back and then tell you like, oh my gosh, look at you, you hired us and instantly we got you. 15 backers. Oh, yeah, so, I did back it. I haven't, I haven't gone with any backing services. Yeah. Well, then what's this, so what a lot of people do is then they'll pay because they're like, oh my gosh, we got 15 backers in day one. This guy did it. And then all those camp, all those backers disappear. Um, and they do it slowly over time so that you don't catch wind of like, because it's not like you, you get 15, then 15 go away. So they'll just every day, like you lose one. And then by the end of the campaign, you realize 
I didn't get any new backers from that service. But then their scenario is, and, and I can see what they're trying to do is, if, um, and we've experienced this by working on a campaign that somebody hired somebody outside of us, um, is is, well, you do show up higher in the search feeds now. So if you, you know, ideally you want to have like three to five backers a day. If you're doing that, you are hitting, I mean, you know, like okay. in this middle lull, three to five backers a day is like gold, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, so, but if you're getting like this big spike all of a sudden, you pop right back up in the, because um, your bounce rate changes. So Kickstarter rewards you by putting you back up in the top 10. So that's what these agencies are selling you, but ultimately you're not getting any new backers when it's all said and done. When the whole thing, when everything shakes out, when you, when you pan that gold at the end, there's nothing left. You're just paying for product placement on the front page, basically. Exactly. That's so. what it is. So, you know, maybe there's an argument there of like, all right, well, I'm on the front page of, of Kickstarter's, uh, you know, art book. But, but that's, also, that's also like a 2012 mindset, right? So like, again, when I was, if I had campaigns in 2009, 2010, front page was golden. Just like being in the newsletter was golden. Being uh, Projects oh, yeah. We Love was golden. Man, all that stuff for Kickstarter has turned into like, uh, I got a, like we get projects we love and nothing happens. We got a newsletter for a project not too long ago, which was like, man, if I had a newsletter, that's like 50 backers. And we got four oh, okay. backers out of it. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah. I so wonder, there's, I wonder why now, why, why it's changed. Like, uh, well, the, the platforms have changed. I mean, what's truly happened, and I think you know, Kickstarter will, will never admit some of this stuff because it's their, their platform's struggling, I think, a little bit because of social media. Because it lives and dies on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Once you have to start paying for these, you know, you've got to pay to play, basically. There's no organic traffic. Well, right. now, how are people getting to this Kickstarter? And then the Kickstarter world itself has gotten so saturated, and it's almost like a as-seen-on-TV type of vibe, you know? Like, I mean, how many weird widget things can there possibly be from sleeping pillows and headphones? <laughs> right. I mean, how right. many in-ear headphones can possibly be sold right now? Um, you know, so you're just seeing this like oversaturation, you're seeing social media change. And now you're seeing like, you know, why if, I mean, I've probably backed 50 projects. I don't even, it's some gigantic uh, number, but I, I still got to like want the thing. I don't just, right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. So I, I think, and I, you know, I think that I think the platforms have basically matured to where they're doing probably what they really are. You, you have the right mindset, but it weeds out a ton of people who are like, I'm just going to make my 50 grand today, launch a page and go. It doesn't work like that. Like, like that. it's like a second job. Like I've been noticing at the, the first week of my Kickstarter, I was doing four to five hours a day, mm -hmm. like the first week, just making sure, answering questions, talking to people, posting. And now it's down now to about maybe two or three hours a day, which yep. is a little more manageable for me because I have a ton of work on my plate. Right. Like, I got to get this, I got to pay bills too. So, yep. um, but uh, yeah, I think towards the end of it, I'm going to have to really wrap up again that, with the Twitter ads, Facebook ads, things like that, Instagram, uh, and just start hitting it again. And uh, it's always about visibility and, and reminding people like, hey, look, like this is ending soon, please back, you know, and and, uh, and doing that. And of course, po podcast interviews and getting a message out too is also a great way to do it. I think, mm -hmm. again, I think people just need to look at like, you have to get the word out and engagement's the most important thing because like you said, I think you may not be getting a buyer today, but you might be sowing those seeds for a buyer maybe a year from now or two. Yeah, you years. never know. You know, yeah, it, you know. The, the worst thing is to be quiet. Like that's like ev every project that I've ever worked on that failed had a project creator who decided that he didn't want to talk about it. Right? I, I think I'm annoying people. I think people have seen, and it's just like the world is gigantic. Nobody has saw. I posted twice yesterday to Twitter. Huh? <laughs> like, there, you know, we call them farts in the wind. They're nothing. No, you know, right. what? Nobody saw it. Who, who saw it? No, they're, no people are getting, they've, they've heard me too much. And I'm like, you haven't even scratched the surface of what you need to be doing. Yeah, so. I think there's a way to be pleasantly persistent about it. I think doing updates with your main backers to let you know that you are engaged, this product is happening, creates confidence. Yeah. Um, especially if they have questions. I think the main thing is anybody who leaves a comment, I want to make sure I comment back to make sure that yeah. you want to make sure people are being heard. They have questions that you are giving good answers or like, Hey, why aren't you doing this? Like, well, Hey, you know, I can't do more sketch tiers because then at some point I'm never going to get to work on my career because I'm doing sketches for the right. Kickstarter. There's like, yeah. I, I like 10 is it or 20 is it, you know? And, uh, and people kind of understand that once you explain it, but I, I think, yeah, you can't you can't go silent. I think you have to be you have to be vocal about what you're doing. You have to talk to people and engage. 
It, it's, believe, well, I, I call it believe in it. You got to believe yeah. in it. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. If, if you believe in it, I, I, I believe in crowdfunding, hence me doing podcast episodes and blog. Yeah, I, believe in it. Yeah. I believe in it. I, I don't just, I don't do anything, but I, I like this thing. I want to make money off of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think it's, that was the hardest thing for me is researching it. Like I found a really great book, uh, online book by Greg Pak, who is a comic book author who put out a book on Kickstartering comics and stuff like that, which was incredibly helpful, but trying to weed out like, podcasts and what to watch, what not to watch. Like this, like your podcast is a great tool because it talks about everybody, about what they did, what was successful, what wasn't. I wish I had this tool. I wish I found you sooner, but we could have connected sooner before I did all this because I probably would have done things a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that, that the things like this are out there. Like I get, you know, the next Kickstarter I do, I think I'm going to be a lot more you know, on point about like, okay, this is what worked for me last time. This is what didn't, this is what I need to do. Um, yeah, and you're, you're in the right mindset. You said it's, it's growth. You, you know, yeah, you're never going to know everything. Yeah. So it's all growth. It's, it's great. So yeah. yeah, a couple more questions and, and we'll wrap up here. I'll let you get back to, to drawing, <laughs> you know? Okay, right on. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so one, what, what's happening? Where do you see yourself maybe in the next two years? Do you see more sketchbooks? Do you see working on the, the other project you're talking about? Where do you kind of see uh, you going towards? Ideally, I like to be able to do my own, uh, my own project, my own creator own, put it out on the direct market, which would be like through bookshops, comic shops, uh, bookstores, things like that. Like I do single issues and, and collect those into trades that go into bookstores and things like that. Um, I would still like to do Kickstarters though. I think um, it would be really nice to do a special edition like uh, for Princess Dragon Killer, my creator own project. Once the first trade is out on that, it'd be really nice to do a really nice tricked out oversized hardcover art book of all the ideations, all the stuff, like kind of what I'm doing now, yep. but just for that one property, put it all in one book and offer it on Kickstarter. That way it's more of a thank you. Like you can't get this anywhere else. You can only get it on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. It's a really great way to reward the fans. And I think I'd like to do is actually everyone who backed this initial Kickstarter, I'd like to probably put their names in the back of that book to say, Hey, look, it's because you guys, this is, this is because of you guys and yep. just all their names and say, thank you. Um, I think that's a, that's a good way to always reconnect with your fan base because the things that kind of help make you successful, you should try to continue in some fashion on doing it later on down the road because this, the book that I'm doing right now is called Volume 2. Um, and I did a Volume 1 like five years ago that I didn't kickstart. I just printed and sold at shows. But now people are asking for like, well, where do I get Volume 1? So I'm like, well, maybe I need to do a reprint and supersize that and re reissue that called like Volume 1 Reloaded. And offer that to people to where they could back it and do that as well. Because now that there's enough people asking for it, I'm like, you know what? There's another product that I have that like people will want. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I need, maybe a couple months after this Kickstarter ends, maybe towards the summer, I'll relaunch again for like maybe the winter. Yeah. Or or like maybe maybe early fall, early to mid fall, have that released. Or I do volume one reload and offer that for people who missed out on volume one way back when. Right. Which is a really good thing because feedback, because if you listen to people, they'll tell you what they want. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't hit it right on this one, the next one is like, okay, well, this is what I need to do on the next one. Yeah. Which, which you hope is like, okay, well, all those people want one. You know, I hope you better back it. So, <laughs> yeah. You, know. well, you definitely, I mean, you have the right mindset. I mean, this is, this is, a, well, one, you have the right mindset, too, is you, the timing's good. I mean, there's a, a resurgence right now on Kickstarter for uh, comics, sketchbooks, documentaries, yes. board games. Obviously, board games are just through the roof. And I think what you're seeing here is that that's what I was talking about earlier. This is this sort of, I've, I've seen enough in-ear monitors or widgets, right? I've seen enough of that stuff. And you're starting to see you know, board games and comics and this sort of the art, which is really, again, this is how Kickstarter started. Remember, it started by two guys from Burning Man who wanted to fund music projects. And, you know, so it's getting back to its roots a little bit uh, while still having the headphones that make a million dollars. And you're like, oh, oh of course, right. You know, they'll, they'll always exist. But, you know, this is sort of actually at, at the core and the, at the root. So, mm -hmm. so I think that, I think you're yeah, good stuff there too. So where can people uh, dive in and how can people find out more information on you? The product. Uh, the uh, I always hate saying this, but like you can Google me, John Boy Myers. Uh, I'm all over the web. Um, John Boy 007007 on Twitter and John Boy 007007 on Instagram. Uh, John Boy Myers on Facebook and Art of John Boy Myers on uh, is my second Facebook page. And of course, www.johnboymyers.com. You can find me on Kickstarter. All you have to do is click on Kickstarter and, and publishing, you'll find me, or you can type my name there, John Boy Myers, and you'll find me. And 
Um, I'm always appreciative of new backers. Um, but you know, if you, even if you guys can't back, I always appreciate the support where you guys can just, you know, tweet and share with your friends too on your social media is a great way to support too. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on the show. This has been awesome. Honestly, dude, this has been really great talking to you. We need to do this again. Yes. Um, yes. I um, love doing them. I, oh, maybe, you know, we should definitely do a follow-up. I always love kind of checking in on projects. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Where are you guys right now? So that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, anytime, just let me know. As soon as the Kickstarter yeah. ends, we can sit and talk about it. You're like, hey, how's, how's boxing up all those books? I'm just, oh. <laughs> yeah, how's like, boxing books over here? Yep. Yep. Make sure you take pictures of those for backer updates, man. People love that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait. Like, hey, here's, here's all the... The, the stacks of pylons. Like I, I'm wondering, like, do I have enough room in my garage for all that? Because like, my well, wife's like, where are you going to do all this stuff? I'm like, the living room. She goes, no. no. You know what? She doesn't want to make a big shipping station in the living room. What's the matter with her? Come uh, on. Well, it might be in my studio. I might have to stop drawing for like maybe <laughs> two or three weeks just to ship everything. Because I, I think that's probably going to be my life for a while. Yeah, it will, it, it will be. It will be. You'll be at the. Yeah, the it. post office and DHL. If you're doing international, that's your life, right? You think DHL is a better way to ship internationally then than uh, USPS? I don't know anymore, man. It depends on the numbers. I just go crunch the numbers. I don't know. We just use DHL for like a bass guitar product thing. I don't know. That's, that's just the numbers came in better there. But right, right. You know, so it's, I don't know. It's like it's all these things that always come in flux because I've been researching international shipping orders, and when you're trying to figure out what's the average median cost for people to ship because you don't want it to be greater than the cost of the book. Right. You, know? but you don't want them to pay a tariff either. Cause we just, yeah, we just it's, dealt with that. Yeah. It's right. tough, man. It's tough, it's man. I know. I know. It's a tough one. Shipping. And I've seen shipping literally, literally kill a project where they didn't calculate enough and they told me they did. And then we get down to what they raised and then you start doing the numbers and you're like, you need another like four grand to ship everything. Well, like, rates, rates change all the time too. Right. So, well, you know. And that's why we try to always put our, our projects in a calendar year so that we don't do our math for 2019, right. and we 2020 and everything went up 50 cents and well, 50 cents, yeah. 2000 yeah. backers. Uh, yeah. Like most of my stuff since it's a book is through media mail. Um, but even media mail rates went up. So I, I made sure like, Hey, before I, you gotta, gotta do the research again, but things change all the time too. And I kept thinking like, Oh, DHL for international. Why didn't yeah. I think of that? So yeah. Again, another great idea. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. All right, John Boy, I appreciate you taking time out of your day, man. Uh, you got oh, a great project here, great Kickstarter, and uh, I look forward to talking in the future here and, and reconnecting. Yeah, thanks, man. I'll talk no to you problem. soon. All right. All right. Man. Bye. All right. How about that conversation? I told you, man, John Boy and I, we hit it off. We had a really great conversation. I look forward to kind of connecting with him in the future and staying in touch because um, I think that that is his energy, his spirit. That is what you need as a project creator. So, you know, we didn't get too much into the weeds on techniques, but in, just in terms of energy and the right mindset, John Boy has all of it. Study that part of this interview because that was the most important part of it. So, all right, guys. Well, I hope you guys all have, have a uh, great rest of the rest of today. And like I said, I'll talk to you guys in San Antonio. We'll do an interview down there with some people. And uh, all right, I hope to talk to you all later. And uh, make sure you're a subscriber. Go subscribe right now. I'll talk to you all later. Oh, man, I call me white. So keep your hands up looking for love but you only see my ass I'm a lady, I got class So get your hands up off my lap What kind of things in life that a quick pass by Oh, cool, man, I call me white So get your hands up off my lap No, 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 don't you swear on this man Cause he's never gonna be there for you If you're looking for the final things in life Just get your hands up off my
Have you lost your mind? 